Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. Oh, we're your hosts. We are so excited to have today award-winning decorator Susan Ferrier. She is known for creating sensuous, atmospheric interiors. Ooh. Your work has been <laughs> featured in the New York Times, Architectural Digest, El Decor, Veranda, House Beautiful, Traditional Home. Atlanta Homes and Lifestyle. Anywhere that matters. Yes. All of your favorite. (laughs) All the publications. All of your favorite publications. And after more than 18 years as a partner at architecture and design firm McAlpine, you started your own design firm, Susan Ferrier Interiors. You're also the co-author of a book, Art of the House by Rizzoli. Did I cover everything? I think you did. I mean, I'm, I'm, tell me more. <laughs> I'm awesome. You don't often get a chance to listen to somebody talk about you. That's, That's true. true. We're going to talk about you all day. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel like mm-hmm. if anyone were to look at your portfolio, their mm-hmm. first thought would be like drama, bold, scale. I agree. Right? Drama. But no, like no pattern, almost no pattern. No, I like texture. Uh-huh. I like texture. I think that the people in the room need to be the pattern. Ooh. Oh, I love that. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. I true. noticed you use You should a be high... the most interesting thing in your own room. <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> my, yes. poor, my poor rooms. <laughs> it depends on what day. That's true. <laughs> and what time of day. Only when you entertain, you should be the most interesting thing in your room. Okay. All right. How's that? That's, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Not when you're watching Netflix. Oh, <laughs> no. Then you're very boring. <laughs> Well, I was going to say with the texture, I noticed you had it on, you had like hides on consoles, on walls, on, I felt like everything. Yeah. In the past and now I like to use uh, a a lot of um, texture in every way. So on trays, I think that people shouldn't be afraid of that. And when you don't use pattern, because sometimes I find pattern really can date a room and you... are trying to honor the investment that the client has made. So you want that interior to last 10, 15, 20 years. There's things that I've done in the past that I've revisited. And I'm, you know, I asked myself, what would I change? Well, when their ch- young children became teenagers and they stained something, that's usually what we uh, address. But yeah, I'm not afraid of using hides uh, in every application. That and, is a really and, great strategy, I think. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's kind of amazing that you've revisited things after 20 years, and you're like, yep, yeah, I was right on. Yeah. Well, go me. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Pat myself. <laughs> well, and dark colors. Yeah. I mean, like either dark walls or a lot of dark fabric covering walls. or I mean, I think that speaks to the drama that Caroline was saying. I like to create shadow with mm-hmm. light. And um, it because I limit the patterns that I use. And I don't like to use vibrant color all the time. I think that you have to create shadow and light with more than your light fixtures or your lamps. You can do it with reflectivity and the colors that you use or the tones that you use in your interior. So I do like dark colors. I honestly feel like they make you feel, you know, warm, safe, and they're very calming. Uh So I think opposites attract. 
And then how do you light a room with all that dark? Because I noticed you do have a lot of lamps. Well, I do. I love. I think that every place that you sit in a room, you should be able to read and have a drink. So you should have a place to set down a cocktail um, or a water, and you should also have a way to read something in front of you. Um, so a lot of times, I think that we use really large lamps for drama, but then we use kind of pharmacy lamps just to light the exact area or the page where you're at. Okay, I saw something in one of your images I've never seen before, which oh, no. was, it was awesome. <laughs> never even oh, no. thought of it. You had two floor lamps next to a big tub. I thought that was the coolest idea ever. Well, you have to see. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. you got to read in the a tub. A lot of people read in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that house. Yeah. It was such a great idea. Well, and it I just ex- looked so, so, I don't know. It just made the whole thing look really finished. Well, mm-hmm. I was thinking about them as soldiers. You know, I felt like they guarded the tub. They were almost mm-hmm. in waiting. They were in service of the tub. Do you <laughs> know me yeah, when I'm in the yeah. tub? Yeah, it's a very, be- I'm, I'm picturing Beauty and the Beast almost. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a tub butler. <laughs> <laughs> I will light your reading. It definitely makes it so you would be more likely to go. Re- it's like a destination, I guess. Yeah, and also I think that when you're furnishing someone, when you decorate a house, I think that you have to think about architecturally creating a rhythm in every room. And a lot of times a pair of sentries or soldiers in the form of a lamp or a sculpture or a candle um, sometimes ground it and give an area uh, more importance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like framing. that. Those lamps framed that tub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Symmetry does feel like really formal. So I guess that's kind of yeah, and I noticed a lot sense. of your rooms felt symmetrical, but when you really kind of dug into it, they weren't. Well, I feel like you should follow the rules up mm-hmm. to a point, <laughs> and then you need to break something really big, because you want to, you want every piece that you do or every home that you work on, you want it to be unique to itself, and so many rooms I think now look so much alike that I that mm. I think that we are attracted as human beings to very common symmetrical spaces. So I try to follow the rules to a point and keep things balanced. But then at some point you've got to introduce the individuality and the person in the room and break that rule so that it's unique. Mm-hmm. Right. And you do, I've noticed too, you speaking to that kind of breaking it up, even a lot of dining tables or along a bar, you haven't matched right. exact chairs or chairs. bar stools. Ooh, is that part boring. of you know and honestly you want it to look like a home with personalities there's many personalities that exist in a home and when you put the same chair um around a table then it gets more business like mm-hmm. and it's not quite as comfortable interesting i'm like we're all just like slack jawed right here. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> because that's genius i mean that's true it does feel like a conference table like we're sitting in right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did glance. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> All the same chariots. Uh-oh. <laughs> the other thing I noticed that I feel like you love is a C table. Like those tables that are shaped like C's that like tuck into a chair or tuck into a chaise. I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like every room's got one or two and they're all I, different. Well, again, it's back to that thing where I feel like you need to have a place to stick a drink. Mm-hmm. And they are different. And it's something that's been really discovered in the marketplace for uh, uh, being a great opportunity to save space. 
And people like to tuck back into a deep sofa and then just imagine having to lean forward to get to the table. It's mm. just too much trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you're <laughs> I'm gonna, exhausted. You know, I can't reach my coffee. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think it's just much more elegant to have the table come to you mm-hmm. and float above the arm or the seat. Mm-hmm. So that is just if I use those a lot. It's because I feel like they're really practical. Yeah. Yeah. And great textures, too, on a lot of those I was looking at. Mm, beautiful. You. Um, yes. you also use a lot of banquettes, it looked like. Do you love a love a banquette? We've been studying you. Can mm, you oh, my gosh. I'm getting that? a little. I'm glad I'm prepared on myself. Um, <laughs> I know me. <laughs> um, I do love banquettes for two reasons. Number one, my clients love them. Nine times out of 10, if you said, what's the top five things that you want in your house? Always, it appears, a banquette really? will, will be on that list because they're so snuggly and they're cozy. Um, and it's the ultimate have your back up against the wall. So a lot of people have that protected safe space. Mm-hmm. But in a practical sense, a banquette will allow you to put more people at a table because you don't have to have that th- three feet of circulation space behind uh, the chair. So you can mush it up closer. Yeah. So it's just, it's. Um, I want to say it's a function of greed. You want <laughs> to be able to get as many people as possible around your table. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and you've, the way you've curved the backs and some of the custom upholstery you've done, you can tell like, you know, it fits the space and the architecture and it right. changes for the that look. room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, Thank I feel like we should back up a little bit. Okay, sorry. And no, no, I think That's it's fun fault. to dive I right in. in. I, I want to know in. about how you sort of got into oh, yeah. the business and about how how and why you decided to start your own firm because I feel like that um, it's a big step. Must have been a big change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, design for me is a compulsion. Mm-hmm. And I you, I can't stop myself. <laughs> so how I got into the business was I just failed at everything else until I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And then I conveniently started to succeed. So you can't, you can't stop what moves you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that design for me is all consuming. I think a lot of designers that do this recognize that they're compulsive about um, about the need. I just want to, to point out that you're arranging the paper on the table in a very certain way while you're talking about being compulsive. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I'm right, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I, I'm OCD. <laughs> but I, I just don't think that I could stop myself. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do other things, much more lucrative things, but I just wasn't happy. So mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, starting my own firm, I started my own firm about a year ago, and it just seemed like the natural next step. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been doing this for so long, and I think as women, we want to find a way to express ourselves, and we'd like to have our voices heard. And I felt like it was just time. And in fact, I thought I was late. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're always busy taking care of people and taking care of a client or, or your staff or somebody. And um, the decision to start my own firm was kind of to address myself and you know, uh, it's just one more step in that long road of self-actualization. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I on this planet? Why am I here? Uh, how can I be the best me that I can be? And I can say, as a woman of a certain age, <laughs> thirty-two. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think I, I think that uh, that was in the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. 
And I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been great. Yeah. How has life changed since you now have your own firm? More stress, less stress, same stress? You know, I don't, I think the stress shifts a little bit, but it's the same amount of stress. Mm-hmm. I've always been really deeply involved in every aspect of it. So mm-hmm. it's the same amount of stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Did you steal a bunch of clients? No. <laughs> Just kidding. No, they're, they were my clients. <laughs> okay. It's like lawyers. <laughs> yeah. So when a lawyer leaves a firm, they get to take their clients. And so same with designers? Yeah. Oh, well, you okay. have the relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. You, uh, when you design for somebody, it's really personal. And you have conversations monthly, weekly, some daily. It all depends mm-hmm. on what the job requires. And so there was those relationships um, are uh, at the forefront. And that's why the design is good. And the design looks like the person that lives in the house. Uh-huh. And that's really important. When you look at some of the things that I've done over the years, you know, there might be a common feeling. There might mm. be some techniques that I, that you can recognize that you've been uh, sharing with me that you've seen in my work. But every house that I do has to look like the people or the couple that lives there. And they're the muse. Mm-hmm. How do you get inspired by it? Is there, is there ever a time where you're like, I just can't grab onto something about these this couple or this homeowner? Or is it easy? You just go in there and you get to know them. You have to kind of dig in. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm a really highly social person. Mm-hmm. So you just have to keep trying and you have to be really persistent. And you'll find that when you ask somebody about themselves, they want to share and talk about what they like, what they're attracted to. I mean, look at me right now. You're asking me about me and I'm, oh, I'd be more than happy to talk about me. I think you'll find that's human nature. Right. (laughs) How do you balance your client with your sense of style that they've hired? Um, You know, that is a good word, balance. And it's a negotiation. And um, you have to remember that you're the expert and I have to remember that I'm the expert and there was something in my work that they recognized and they want. So mm-hmm. I feel it's really important to establish what I call a thesis statement or the presentation. And then it's my job to stick to it. So it's a constant conversation mm-hmm. going back and forth, reminding people of why, what they were attracted to, why they called me. Because they're afraid of it. Well, you know, putting together a room, a successful room, is a lot more difficult and a lot more technical than people think. And there's a ton of people out there that have really good taste and are really exposed. Everybody can be a great shopper. But it's about the relationships of the pieces that you put in that room and how they react to each other that is really what the designer is an expert at. And I think we've all seen rooms where that piece is beautiful and this piece is gorgeous, but for some reason they detract from each other and they don't kind of add to the full feeling or beauty Mm -hmm. of the room. So it's kind of like, you know, I refer to myself as a visual mathematician. You know, I dress chair heights, table heights, lighting levels, all those things need to be placed in a rhythm that moves your eye through the room at a pace that's comfortable, soothing, and beautiful. And I think that's where elegance comes from. Yeah. Well, I would ima- also imagine that a beautiful chair is all well and good, but if it's not in the right place or if it's not laid wrong, out properly, yeah. then it doesn't work. It doesn't 
look beautiful because it's not functioning. Right. Well, the chair needs to feel good when you sit in it, Mm -hmm. but it also needs to look good when you walk in the room because these are props. You know, 90% of the time when we walk through our house, most of the things are props and we only get to really use them or sit in them a really small percentage of their lifespan. One of the things I like to tell people is, or I like to show people and then execute, (laughs) is to be bold where you need to be bold and not be afraid. So the things that people think are risky um, for me are just, are not risky at all. It'd be risky not to do it because then when you walk in the room, you're going to be, what is that big hole over there in that area? Nothing's filling it. And then somebody Mm -hmm. puts something tragic in the space (laughs) that isn't, you know, that doesn't quite feet, you know, it doesn't quite meet the needs, you know, of your eye when you walk in. It sounds like a science. Well, you kind it's of very speak intimidating. to... Um, that. I am sciencey. <laughs> I am a nerd. He's a rule follower. That's right. You told us you're a rule follower. I mean, I do follow rules to a point. And then you break them. Well, so, then you have to. So you just get disgusted and have to. What, what rules should we all be following? The first rule is to always hire an interior designer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Done. We're hiring you. Yeah, you now, have to have an expert and you have to uh, listen to them. Um, I also think it's important uh, for a rule in a room is to think about how you're going to live in it. People really enjoy rooms that they spend a lot of time in. And you have to make sure that when you program the space that you are meeting the needs of the purpose of the room and also paying attention to the architecture. Do you know, I, I, some of the biggest struggles are you buy, you know, a classic home in a classical style, and then you want to introduce all kinds of furniture and applications that maybe would better be suited for like an art deco building, or you have to be really careful with mid-century modern. You have to pay attention to the space that you're investing in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you want to multiply the effects of the architecture and you want to multiply the effects of your interiors. And the best way to do that is if they are compatible and they get along. Are there ways that someone like me could update the space so that I could fit? So say I bought a, you know, a home, like you said, a very classic architectural Mm -hmm. home. And then I I'm more mid, I'd say my style is mid-century. Right. How do you work with someone? You bought how, the wrong house. Do I buy a new house? Yes. What if the layout's great? What if the <laughs> yard's laughing. great? I don't think she really <laughs> feels that way. Well, I can answer <laughs> yes, your question. I, I think that if you have classic proportions in your house mm-hmm. and you are a lover of um, mid-century, then you need to find some new design, some of these uh current designers that are doing stylistically mid-century modern, but they're doing it in far greater scale than the original pieces Mm. were. The original pieces were designed for much smaller spaces with Mm -hmm. lower ceilings. Mm -hmm. So now great furniture, lighting designers right now are kind of beefing up some of those Mm -hmm. proportions so that they look really good Mm -hmm. in a larger room with a higher ceiling. Mm -hmm. Great. That's great. That makes sense. sense. Yeah. Well, well I, I think even, we could, I think we can all think of like homes that we've been to or spaces that we've been in where the you know they tried to fit 
like a farmhouse kitchen into a mid-century modern house and you're like why is there an apron sink here or you right. know I don't know I'm mm-hmm. sure there are you know, I was just other talking, better examples I but. was just talking to a client about that who has a 1925 house that we're renovating up in Connecticut and I I shared you know you really can't put the rough hewn beams in the ceiling in this house because everybody is going to know then you're advertising that it's added on uh-huh. You know, so you have to, yes, you can have, you can do something to the ceiling and you can have beams, but maybe you should paint them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you have to, you have to know. It's just like when women dress, you can't wear something that's unattractive on you, no matter how much you love it on that magazine page. That's true. Good it point. is exactly how you dress. So you need true. to wear your rooms and they need to suit your lifestyle. Right. That's super important. And I guess to that point, like you could, you could pull out maybe some bell bottoms or something from a past inspired by the past, but you would never like wear it in totality of right. how you wore it then. You know what I mean? You exactly. would sort of but like, you know, you only wear bell bottoms if you have a certain shape. Right. No, exactly. true. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't or suit if you're everyone. Not right. Because then, you- <laughs> and then maybe if you're like, if you're four feet tall, maybe you wear a flared arm. Right. Instead of wearing a bell-bottom pant. You are exactly you the same 100% vibe, right. But it's just a different point of view. Right. And that's the way people look put together, you know, when they think about mm-hmm. their form and what they're putting on it. Same thing with a room. I feel like we can all just end the episode here because... Yeah, done. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I love Karen that solution. Question. I have like more four questions because Good. I just feel like... I'm, mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking to Do experts, it. you want to ask Milk all the it. dumb questions yeah. I have. I love dumb questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this kind of goes off of what you just said, which again is taking, you know, being realistic with your space and realizing what you have. But have you, are there certain style kitchens you see on the trend right now or that you're always gravitating to, or does it change job by job? It changes job by job. I, I will honestly tell you, although I love a white kitchen, I would like to see a little bit, I would like to see kitchens addressed in a more dynamic way. Yes. Karen's raising her hand. Very favorite things that I saw in your portfolio. And I don't know if it's something that you typically do in kitchens, but it was, um, it really to me brought the kitchen to life. It was a, it was an island and it was a very, I feel like it was a very sleek kitchen um, with kind of sleek, dark hardware. I mean, dark cabinets and um, maybe white countertop. I can't remember exactly. But at the end of this floating island, you had put this antique, not really a demi loon, but, you know, this piece of furniture flush up at the end of the island and I was just like oh my god that's brilliant because it's another little surface but mostly it's the ju- juxtaposition of those styles and putting something alive in a kitchen which is to me cabinets are so sort of like industrial feeling even if they're you know mm-hmm. very traditional they're they're modular sort of and that well I know the kitchen it was a waterfall uh, countertop yes. and the marble went down the side which made the perfect backdrop for something organic. And I believe it was an Asian table and it had all these really strong feminine curves in the legs and it created a beautiful silhouette against that stone. So the juxtaposition of something clean and and modern was something that was obviously had some age on it and was very um, organic, Mm -hmm. uh, was irresistible to me. Mm -hmm. That it was a functional service surface 
I think was made it even better and was how I could talk them into it. Right. But <laughs> I think that that's really important with all, you see waterfalls all the time with stone and I think they're really great. I have them in my own kitchen, but on one side I've stacked old suitcases and have a sculpture at the end. It's, I don't want to miss an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I think that's uh, a recurring, a reoccurring theme in your work, sleekness and modern versus this like patinaed, crackling old like architectural sort of um stuff what's the word i'm thinking of like uh, well it it crusty i mean i like to use something that looks like it has a history and a story to tell Mm -hmm. so things are really crusty and they look like they had um they used to have a better life than they have now (laughs) you know so almost a piece of furniture or an ornament that looks like it's fallen Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean fallen (laughs) in stature and now it's become casual again and it's great to clean it up with crisp linen white stone Mm -hmm. i feel like when you walk into a space it would be really nice if it if it provoked thought as well as um you know the admiration for beauty i think that when you see a couple things together i think it's great to challenge the way you normally think about something so that you become intellectually stimulated you know and not just visually stimulated Drop the mic. Look, up. no, I mean, as I sit here and think. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I had a question that goes along with that kind of talking about that, bringing the aged into the area. I know you're also a lover of shiny things. I love, love shiny things. Okay. So what if <laughs> I love shiny and I don't want to overdo shiny because you do a great job with balance. How do I not overdo my shiny obsession? Mm. Well, shiny, you know, first of all, you can use as much shiny as you like. You just have to make sure that it is paired and matched, like gesture for gesture, note for note, with something that absorbs the light as well. So it's, again, you want the energy being kind of absorbed in, but then also reflecting out. I feel like like jewelry. Most people don't wear shiny clothes from top to bottom, but they accentuate with shine in their jewelry. Mm -hmm. So if you want to wear a lot of jewelry, that's great. I obviously like to wear a lot of jewelry, (laughs) but I'm also wearing a black matte texture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're both, they're both play off each other. Back to fashion. Yeah. Yeah, But you can't be gratuitous with your shine. That's very hard. Right. Then you're Vegas. Yeah. And Mm. it seems like if everything's shiny, then your one, your earrings don't stand out or your, right. Whatever. You know, light fixture or whatever. Well, whenever you have a dinner party, I always think about who I'm inviting and how they're going to interact because I think that makes for a really successful dinner party. And some people are shiny things and other people absorb things. So you have to have a good combination of more social people and people that really want to listen and absorb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true because if they're all talkers... It gets loud. Yeah. I mean, you can, and then you don't hear anything. And no one's listening to anyone. No, No, it hurts my ears. (laughs) Karen only invites Matt people to her parties. Oh, you do? Do you have boring parties? I'm kidding. No, no. She throws good parties. It was a joke. (laughs) I always think about that. I always think about who's going to sit next to who, Mm -hmm. who is going to pull another person out of Mm -hmm. their shell. You know, everybody has hidden stores within them and you want to make sure that you put them in their best position so that they can share what's inside them. Because, you know, we all socialize with the same people over and over again. We've got to start looking at them in different ways. 
That's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. You talked to about, again, back to the shiny and then mixing metals. And yes. you said, I've read somewhere that you love mixing metals. I do. What is, are there any rules there? I think that you need to kind of stick to two metals. Um, let's just say silver and gold and pewter, which is a derivative of silver. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I think that when you're mixing metals, there are really shiny metals. And then there are metals that look like you've just dug them out of the earth. Mm-hmm. So I think that you need to, yes, I like the shiny metals, but also think about their origin. So there's different levels of reflectivity in metals that also have to be paid attention to. I also like oil rub bronze as it goes with everything, but uh, unlacquered brass right now mm-hmm. is really popular. And I love it because it ages and it changes. Mm-hmm. So that is a metal that you can introduce into almost any space. Do you yeah. feel like that's going to be going out of style? Everybody has been saying that. Everyone asks me, and I'm Everybody, like, it's just beautiful. People do if keep questioning it. Beautiful. Well, they do keep questioning it, but when was the last time that it was in style? And it was a really shiny brass, like when it was at the 80s? Yeah. Is that possible? And it was sort of lacquered, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was lacquered. But now it's come back in a way that it's growing and changing and evolving, just like us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how we used brass in the 80s versus how we use brass now. Well, yeah, I think that that's something to consider because it used to, and before the 80s, then when was it used? You know, so right. I think that what you need to do is consider the fact that you can have it in your home and if it ages properly, it will never go out of style. But things are going to go out of style. Like, the, I feel like people really fixate on like, what is the thing that I need to avoid because it, it won't be trendy. Yeah. Well, but if it's, it's beautiful design, you don't have to worry. I, right? I agree with you. You don't want to be, you don't want someone to look at a room you did and say, and give you the date in which you did that room. Right. Right. <laughs> True. So, I mean, and it's a really good investment if you are, and that's why I like to couple the classic with the edgy or the more modern, because that's a way to fight the mm-hmm. trend that goes in and out of style. Okay. And if their relationships are good, then they also don't go in and out of style. So right. that is a real concern for people that do what I do for a living because you're always getting the new, this is the new light fixture. This is the new chair. It's like, this is the new drug. Try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> you, it's all in how you use it. Yeah. And it's really, it's wasteful to do an environment that is so of that day right. that, you know, the next year you're going to be tired of it. Mm-hmm. So would you, I mean, because I guess when I think of like a house that you walk in and you're like, oh boy, that was like 1990 or whatever with the, um, I guess maybe the like unlacquered brass was kind of them too. But it's like, it's that, it's that finish on every single thing. So maybe what you're saying about mixing, like mm-hmm. what finishes uh, you're doing uh-huh. helps to, you know, you've walked into that house. It's like, it's the same faucet on and handles and cabinet knobs and trim around the right. um the shower door it's literally all the same and it's all matching so then it really does there's no dimension at all so maybe that's just one way that people can avoid it by not like universally using something across their whole house the whole house you know everything has to be used sparingly yeah 
I think. Just a lot of different things. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> all the things, Mary. One of each of all the things. <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about decorating and furnishings, but one of the things I'm finding is I am being asked to help houses that were um, built in the 80s oh. because there's that look yeah. that maybe wasn't excellent. <laughs> You know, hey, I, hey you know, now. No, 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 no. no totally that, oh, we all know. <laughs> no, I know. And that is always a challenge. You know, great civilizations are always born out of a need. And so hopefully people will take some of those houses that were built then and they'll do some really great things. But what are they doing? Them. What can we do to an 80s house? Well, I just finished work on a house that was built in the 80s on Lake Martin. And it's going to be on the cover of Atlanta Homes and Lifestyle. I love Lake like Martin. Why, if you want to go pick that up. Mm, thank continue. you for saying something. Um, <laughs> it is, I mean, it's absolutely, you know, when I first walked into the house, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I started paying attention to, I worked with the, um, with the homeowner and the architect and I started paying attention to uh, the outside, bringing the environment into the house. There are certain things that you can do even with paint to pull things into shadow that maybe weren't your favorite feature. I did that at Kipps Bay mm-hmm. when I was uh, when I did it last year. I walked into a room that was basically a very unattractive box, and I thought, well, I'm going to paint it all dark green, yeah, so that it go it recedes, mm-hmm. and everything I put in that room was white or shiny, and so you didn't even notice those walls uh-huh. and lots of drapery. Was that the room with lots of drapery? Yeah, there were, there were two walls of drapery. Spot. And then like all the prints, right? One, like yeah. a bazillion. Yeah. yeah. Those, they were archaeological prints. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because you, And you didn't even, I don't even know what the wall looked like. I can't yeah. tell you. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> I looked at the picture. Proof, yeah. Yeah. That she, proof that it worked. There there are, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great idea. Okay. So kind of even bring those into the shadows and then lighten up. With your actual well, pieces. Karen, or Taryn, I feel like that's sort of what you did, maybe oh, not knowingly, in your in your brown my she brown, had a brown panel room. done with a brown leather sofa and a brown dog. So she didn't paint the dog; she painted the paneling. I painted everything I could. Peacock blue. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks. I love painting paneling. When yeah. was the paneling originally installed? Sixties. I really love painting the paneling. <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine what it was. Well, it had nice brown Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> you don't want to walk into a room and disappear, right? <laughs> well, that's what the dog was doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Camo. No, Camo but I, that's a great idea of just how to hide mm-hmm. um, those. Well, I want to talk more about this house on Lake Martin because I... I actually, when I saw the exterior, I think there was one shot of like, I don't think it was a pool, but it looked sort of like a pool, but it, it, it was, was actually the it dock. It was an infinity pool, wasn't it? It's an infinity pool. Oh, it, okay. It well, looked it, like it was part of the lake. Yeah. Well, and it does, even when you're in the house. And the funny thing is the house has got this, it's on this point. And when you walk into the main room of the house, you look, look like you could continue walking right into the water of the lake. And the pool is designed so that it spills out it was um, gorgeous. It appears to spill out into mm-hmm, the lake. I don't mm-hmm. want to get anybody in trouble. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I love the exterior, and I, I know that that's post-renovation. Right. But, like, what about an 80s house like that should we salvage and, like, is good? And what maybe is one of the parts that we camouflage? Well, one of the things that I, one of the things that I thought about 
that an, you have to think about what an 80s house, what are its positive attributes? <laughs> it really absorbs modern furniture really well. It really does. It looks so good with a more contemporary um, aesthetic introduced to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope that everyone will see that when they when they see the magazine article. But honestly, it, I was so excited because I could do something that what that most of my clients don't come to me for. Mm-hmm. I loved that project. I love that project. It was a play of light and shadow. It was, it brought the outside in and I could use forms in strict rhythm, but with lines that I don't think that I'm normally known for. So it was- Like curvilinear? Well, it was just modern. I used furniture manufacturers that I had never used before because Mm -hmm. this furniture happened to look really great in that house. Mm-hmm. Some houses, you walk a piece of furniture in it and it spits it right out. It just doesn't go. And, but <laughs> this house, all those pieces of furniture that I've always wanted to use because they're super comfortable and I really respect the way they're made and how they got to be, you know, what they are. And you put them in this house and it was, they were, it was a love affair. Mm-hmm. I really, I really was so attracted to it. I mean, I, you know that you've, um, been successful if you think to yourself, well, I want a house like this. Um, <laughs> and that was an 80s house. Yeah. This never had that thought occurred to no, you. I'm dying for an 80s house now. <laughs> well, I liked that the article spoke to the, again, you thinking through your visual line too, mm-hmm. you know, to speak to scale and balance is you, you want to see the lake. Mm-hmm. So you made sure the scale of the furniture and your visually, it was not in the way of you seeing the lake. Is that? Yes. I wanted to make sure that you could look over it and through it, when you're in that main living room, you feel like you are on a ship and on a boat Mm -hmm. because the water appears to come right up um, to the living room. So it's really, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a visual trick, but I also painted that entire room out very dark. It's a really dark, bronze color. And the reason why we did that was to carry your eye out to the water. White will stop your eye um, and keep you in the room, but a darker color will kind of release you and let you see the green or the blue beyond. Interesting. I would never would have thought of that. Again, it's a little sciencey. Yeah. You think Lake House, <laughs> I'd want it to be light, but that's so smart. What co- What's the name of the color on the walls? Uh, I think seal skin. Okay. Sherman Williams. I think it's seal skin. See, um, but fun. there's other good colors, uh, but, black fox, sealskin. I got to tell you, when we walked through that house for the first time with the architect, David Baker, we walked through the house and I was like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Did the architect say, oh, no, as well? Well, no, he was he knew. He knew. You know what? When you're working with somebody, that's really you really want to work with somebody that really knows what they're doing. And he knew <laughs> that he could only do so much. And then we had to decorate our way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, it's true. And I believe he probably shared that with our client. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I can only go so far. And the house is really great because there is a living space as well as a bedroom for each of the two children and for the parents. So it's almost as if there are three separate apartments that connect to the one separate space. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and two guest rooms. So the space that you had was really fantastic for a family, you know, that was going to have pretty soon have two teenagers in it, always be entertaining in the house. Mm-hmm. So I understood why we were keeping the house because you really couldn't beat the programming of it. Mm-hmm. And its position on that point was incredible. It mm-hmm. was spectacular. I mean, truly, it was like, well, it's funny, Karen, that you said you think of a lake and you want light and bright. But when I think of a lake, I think of like that dark lake water. It's like very moody and like, I think of like winter on a lake. I don't know why, but. You should go to Lake Martin right yeah, now in clear. the spring. It is so beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful lakes beautiful I've ever lake. seen in my life. And it, it, in fact, I shouldn't even have said its name. Yeah, don't, I don't, don't go, go look there. or buy yeah. any property there. <laughs> no, but it, it was really very soothing. Mm-hmm. I, I do love it there. And while I'm thinking of it, I do want to add one more point with the contemporary furniture in an 80s house. We went to town on texture. Mm-hmm. And that's how we made it feel really warm and comfortable. We put a lot of hide rugs down and made sure that there was fuzzy and organic things everywhere. Do you like to put, speaking to um, your point about being able to see through things, do you like to put furniture in front of a window in that type of scenario where you're trying to draw your eye out to the lake? Or do you, how do you I do lay out a room? Yeah, I do like to put things in front of windows. If you put something in front of a window, you're compelling your eye to go to that thing, but then to the right of it, you have an entire expanse where you see through the window. I think that it shows people are always talking about preserving a view. Well, once you've seen the view once, you keep it in your head. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see that view when you walk through that house all the time. Don't underestimate what your mind can carry with you. And if you go into a house that doesn't put anything in front of windows at all, doesn't challenge the view at all, doesn't mm-hmm. meet it, isn't a partner with it, it gets really weak and thin. Okay. So if we have a living room, say, that has a big bank of windows, we shouldn't necessarily situate the sofa to look at the view. We should maybe be... Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, I think that there's... I think that you can block portions of the view. Okay. Uh, It all depends on how you're going to socialize and use the space. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that, yes, we love the view, but the only, that's not the only thing you're going to be doing in that room. Right. Is looking at the view. It's really important and people should really pay attention to the human factor when they're working on a house and how people are going to live in that house um, and enjoy it and function in every one of those rooms. So it's really just a question of if there's enough seating if it's going to create conversation spaces, uh, I really feel that nothing is so precious. Mm-hmm. It You can think about it like this. I have just spent a lot of your money and I have really beautifully paneled this entire wall and it is stunning. And then you walk in and you look at the wall and you think, oh, that's really great. And it's got a great finish on it. And then I go and I hang a huge piece of art on it. (laughs) People say, don't cover up that wall. And I'm thinking, I just made that wall better. It is now a host. So Mm. it, I think that it's really important that you can layer those, let it go, forgive yourself, layer the excellence one on top of the other. Okay. You know? Yeah. I think that- That makes sense. If not, it's going to get boring. Right. You know, you're just going to be there in another year. Well, and you're right, it highlights the view. 
Yes, instead it does. of covering the view. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it just grabs your eye and pulls it over there. And sometimes I like to hang really shapely things on square windows. Like um, She acted out a circle with her hands. Like a mirror, yeah. a sculpture, <laughs> yeah. an architectural mm-hmm. piece mm-hmm. or something? Yeah. I just have, I have a mirror hanging on one of my windows, and I realized the other day. I was out on the deck looking in, and it oh, has the price to... tag on the back. Oh, no. Well, if <laughs> and it's you... been on there for like four years. You should have felted the back. <laughs> I should have. Then you would have noticed that price tag. <gasps> Ooh, I'll do that So next. is that what you do? Like if you are going to hang a so it's painting or something on a window, what? how do you treat the back? Well, I usually put a piece of felt on it. Okay. Usually a dark piece of felt. Okay. You know, or something like that, because I've looked in, you know, I've looked into a lot of windows. <laughs> Sometimes you get bored and you want to drive around and look in people's windows. Mm-hmm. And that cleans up that elevation. Right. right. Makes it go away. Makes sense. <laughs> Why do you want to add you? It's so true. <laughs> so a lot of the rooms and homes you do are large. A lot of the rooms are large. Several seating areas, you know, that kind of thing. And I think many homes these days you're nodding hesitantly are big a lot of square footage and they're open plans and people have no idea how to arrange the furniture in them you know they're pushing it all up against the wall or you know what i'm saying yeah how do how do we fill up really large rooms because your rooms even though they're dramatic and wonderful scale they don't feel intimidating they don't feel cavernous they feel really like i just want to get in there and sit down and read my book well, again, I'm always paying attention to the architecture, mm-hmm. um, and think, and then you go from the architecture to the people in the room, and what's in between is the decorating and the and the pieces of furniture you put in there. I don't necessarily it, sometimes, like with a banquette, you can push something up against a wall, but for the most part, I really don't like doing that. Nobody likes to feel cornered. I start in the center of the room, and I place the furniture around the center of the room where it makes the most human sense to uh, interact. And then I go around then the back of those pieces and I fill in because that can create, you know, a very deep console behind a sofa that's floating in the middle of the room is now a desk Mm -hmm. or a chair uh, and a desk there are just or a game table. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important to start at the center, arm's length to some of these chairs so that you can have conversations and then come around. You know, I am going to tell you that space planning for me and drawing a furniture plan is one of the most rewarding things that I do and the most important step in my process. That is really where it starts. That is the foundation of, I think, creating a really good interior. People need to draw it out. If you draw it and it works and it fits, then in real life, you don't have to worry about it. If I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, this all is not going to fit in the room. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, it's going to fit because I drew it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that Mm -hmm. uh, drawing is really important. Mm -hmm. I want to ask the reverse question because from what Karen asked, because... There were certain rooms or spaces in your portfolio that you could tell were maybe smaller scale, not the scale that Karen was talking about, but you still had very large furniture pieces in them or, you know, maybe a huge accessory that, so I'm curious how to use oversized pieces in a small home 
and creating a space that doesn't feel too cluttered, but still feels cozy. I think that you need to use a few very large pieces in a smaller room because it almost creates this ohm effect. It calms the space down and then you can start introducing the smaller pieces. And I think that if you have a really small room, I'm going to say, let's put one really big thing in it. And then everything else is in service to that one really big thing. You see that a lot in restaurant design. You have a banquette in the corner with a table and then little chairs around it. If you were to just wall that off, that would be a really small room. But everybody wants to be there because it's cozy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I can say in my own home, which was a 1925 Tudor, it's, uh, the rooms aren't as generous in size as they are for my clients Mm -hmm. because everybody goes to that open plan uh, right now. So there there are a lot more larger rooms, but they serve more than one function. Mm -hmm. So divide them up mentally. So you have to divide it up mentally. Uh, Like drop those imagined walls in. Ah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's such a great dilemma this week. I love the images. It explains what's going on. Um, and this one is from Eileen. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> That's She's probably like, yeah, 80s. yeah. This uh, is an 80s theme. That's episode. right. <laughs> All right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll probably never get an 80s house again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Eileen writes and says, hi, all. I've been listening to the podcast almost since the very beginning and I really enjoy it but really struggle with decorating and haven't been brave enough to send photos. Nevertheless, although I would still rather not be published, I need help with several things and would love to get your thoughts. And she's very lucky. Her because, house is cute. Yes. I know. It is a very cute home. Okay. And to have Why expert don't you want us to advice. Share, she has four bullet questions. Okay. Her first is, is my rug too small? It's about 8 by 11 and the room is about 15 and a half to 9 by 19 feet. If too small... Would you layer it over seagrass? Replace it with a seagrass. I tend to like beachy looks. Also, I know you have said seagrass is forgiving of spills, but I need a rug that will hold up under the paws toenails of three dogs. Okay, let's answer that one question first. What do you think about her rug? The rug is too small. Oh. But it isn't small if you turn it in the other direction and you run it only in a portion of the room that captures the furniture. So if she pulls her chairs and her sofa closer to each other so that you can actually have a conversation from one to the other, it's not such a great leap, then all of a sudden that rug, the rug is is an island, Mm -hmm. and it's trying to save the lives of the chairs and the sofa. (laughs) So they need to be pulled in so that they're resting on the rug, and there can be space behind, like, for instance, the sofa, like I talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. And the chairs that will open up the space by those windows. Yeah, she has the. You could not reach the coffee table if you were sitting in those chairs. And there's it's no too way. far away. Yeah, and even the sofa could be closer to the coffee table. You know what I mean? Like just enough room for your knees. You know? I yeah. I'm about this much. What is this? Fifteen inches? Yeah, I'd say fifteen. 15 anywhere from fifteen, eighteen, maybe mm-hmm. twelve. If it's really tight room. Yeah, just enough to kind of walk by and sit down. But remember, the table is in service to you. The table is, it's not just to hold coffee table books. It is so that you can put something down on it. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to be a functional piece of furniture. And we can make this cocktail table much more functional by having it engage in a relationship 
with the sofa and the chairs. Right. And she kind of speaks that in her next bullet point, which says, I have 80s matching wood tables, and I've been looking and looking for a coffee table. What width and shape? There's approximately six and a half feet between sofa and chairs where they sit in the photos. I could pull the furniture closer together, Mm -hmm. but my husband hates that we do not take advantage of the size of the room. He would like to shove everything to the walls and windows. That's funny that he thinks it's wasting the room. Susan's making the best face. Yeah. Like, why does he think it's wasting the room? I feel like we need to... He can get more out of this room. Yeah. You know, I used to design for attorneys and hallways. I mean, and so I think of space as billable square footage. (laughs) And right now he could get a lot more billable square footage out of this room if he pulled everything together and then brought more things into the room Mm -hmm. to make it feel a little bit more layered and closer. I emailed Eileen back after she sent us this and said, Eileen, is this room do you have to pass through this room to get to other rooms and she said yes so like you're saying they need to be able to walk behind the sofa Mm -hmm. instead of walking through the middle of the furniture arrangement which is how they have it set up now which is why i think she has it so far apart because she wants to be able to walk through it like no mush all that together and walk behind it to get could she from this end this whatever down to the other end um i think that she talked about cocktail tables Mm -hmm. and she needs to put a cocktail table that goes all the way to the floor her chairs and her sofa are all on legs Mm -hmm. so everything in this room is on legs and nothing's grounding it to that rug so i would i'm never a fan of matching cocktail tables with end tables so there just there needs to be i think the cocktail table needs to find another home and if she put a cocktail table that went to the floor mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. a block of wood mm-hmm. or an organic root system of some kind plopped into the middle of this would help ground the space yeah mm-hmm. do you like the way she's Agreed. laid out the furniture or do you feel like she i mean aside from it being too far apart but mm-hmm. i mean should she relocate? Should she turn stuff? It's a, in a I different want to direction? describe her room, okay? It's a rectangle. She has a fireplace at one end with built in bookshelves that cover that entire wall. And then on the long walls, that's a short wall. On the long walls, she has a window on one side, two chairs in front of that window facing in. And on the opposite wall, she has a sofa facing those two chairs. And that's kind of all that's in here. And a big case opening. And a, and a doorway down by the fireplace. Honestly, You know, it's really hard to make a judgment with one elevated image, but she may want to think about taking those two chairs, putting them on either side of the fireplace and turning the sofa so that you see it's back. Mm-hmm. And then I bet it would all fit nicely on that rug. And then you could put a sofa table behind that sofa and uh, or a console behind it and do something really interesting and sculptural either either on top of it or under it. But there is another way to arrange this mm-hmm. room and still get your traffic patterns. Or even like you said, a game table, because it looks like a really deep room and they could have a couple functions happening in here. They could hang out by the sofa what do and they chat do with in this friends. Room? Yeah, that's what we I need to know. I suspect this room is just a walkthrough. Eileen, what are you doing? Well, she in does there? have the TV. Um, oh, where's the TV? To the right. It's, so it's to oh. the right of the fireplace. And how you do they put it right it? over the fireplace? Yeah, I mean, but even I know in that people other... hate to do that. But even in that under the watchman, if you work. give mm-hmm. us permission, then no. Honestly, <laughs> I think that it's you know electricity. It's here to stay. Televisions are not going anywhere, <laughs> yeah. and we and they're a big part of our lives. And we're fooling ourselves if we don't just acknowledge that. So I would suggest putting a really big TV over that fireplace and always have a beautiful movie on it. 
<laughs> so great. Invest in some uh, great cinematography based movies. They have those screensavers now that you can use on your television. So ah. it, yeah, so you can put she, she get one of images those? up, art or something. Um, her next bullet point is about the lighting in the room. Right now, she doesn't have any lamps that we can see in the photo, but she does have two um what are those well what do you even call those they're like so she has an angled but... ceiling and there's two <laughs> okay i see them now Susan sees them okay oh i didn't see them in the top photograph yes yeah, she wants now. to know she says i know yikes again pull them and down she and throw wants them on the to curb. know what to do <laughs> they're like my suggestion mm-hmm. would be to put the light where the people are so the light hits you on the side of your face and not shrouding from your forehead down so that you it shows all shadow. of your age. Mm-hmm. I would My probably age. remove these light fixtures um, and put some great lamps in the room. And mm-hmm. just, you can put lamps in for ambiance as well. Like, is there a way to get some kind of a lit object on that mantle on either mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sconces, maybe it, it really depends mm-hmm. how deep you want to go. And yeah. if you're going to hire the electrician mm-hmm. and get somebody in there or an electrify and give you some connectivity. So on the cheap end, take out those patch, the ones on the ceiling and get yourself some good lamps, lamps. And on the next level, you could put in some kind of sconces on either side of your TV after you mount it to your wall above your fireplace. Or they have really great lamps that you can put actually in bookshelves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are some companies that even do bookends that are lamps. And you can light this whole thing up. Bring Mm -hmm. it to life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's clever. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that is smart. bookend lamp. Maybe we need a... Yeah, you need a lot more lamps. Okay. She has one more bullet point. Um, She asks, how do you feel about the style of the mirror behind the sofa for this room? Its shape is the same as the large window across from it. If kept, should I paint the frame? Does it need something on the walls beside it? It's centered over the sofa and centered across from the window. And the sofa is about 90 inches long, mirror 40 inches wide. I don't have anything else on that wall. I have contemplated sconces, but cannot picture any that would look good there. If you can suggest sconces, what style? I struggle with how I'm going to put lots of lamps lighting in this room. There is a piano Oh, see, we should have read all <laughs> There's a piano on the front right corner with two lamps on it that you cannot see and a dog crate in, in the left one. <laughs> all right, so her mirror is a Palladian-style window, and it has a sort of a black, looks like iron frame. And the rest of the room is cream with a navy sofa and sort of cream chairs. I, if, I think that the mirror... I suspect the mirror may be too small for that wall. And if you have a really big wall, you need to put a really big piece of art on it or tile in a sequence something that can relate to the architecture. That mirror probably needs to be on a smaller wall, some other place in her house where she needs to introduce light like a hallway because then it can reflect light and give... and. Uh, add to um, the feeling of a of a tight space, but right now, where it's placed, it's directly across from a window, so it's probably directing right back out that window. And I think I'd like to see it bigger. 
Yeah, because it it the it only it ends like at the back of the sofa. It could go all the way to the floor. Like it could really fill that whole wall. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it when art dips below the back of a sofa. Mm-hmm. So you want to layer it again. It's the same principle of you. you really have this beautifully paneled wall. It has this great finish on it. And then you put a big piece of art on it. It's just another layering technique. Mm-hmm. Bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always going to say bigger. I, I mean, <laughs> and then bigger and fewer. Yeah. You know, right. bigger and fewer. Gang things together so that it gives them more power. Um, but yeah, bigger and fewer. And then she struggles with how to put a lot of lamps in the room. Why? Just put them in there. Floor lamps, table lamps. Every table put a lamp on it. <laughs> well, you know, also those little um, those little apothecary lamps, the reading lamps. Yeah. Those, at, each of these chairs should have one. Right. And as far as connectivity, you know, I haven't met a rug that I haven't put a hole in mm-hmm. to run a cord through. <laughs> you know, and we tell, I tell my clients that we are going to have to probably put a little cut in this, um, depending on what kind of a rug it is. Mm-hmm. Um what do you cut it with? Like a box cutter? Yeah. Okay. Razor blade, yeah. Or carpet cutter, you know those things? No. But there might not be an outlet in this floor. Mm-hmm. So Probably it might not. be along the wall. Now, if you have a crawl space, is it difficult to put? I mean, obviously you got to have an no. electrician, but. No, it's not if you have okay. a crawl space. Okay. I think that's a really good idea. But make sure if you're going to put a sunken outlet in your floor that it is truly sunken so that when you put your plug in, you don't have a bump in your carpet. The whole, the the head of uh, the... Has uh, to be below the floor. Has to below the floor mm. level. Mm-hmm. So it looks almost like, okay, just to describe to people what they're looking for. And there are several, but the ones I've seen, it's it looks like if you've ever been to a theater... And they have these little like metal, it looks like a little metal circular like cover on the floor, right? right. And it has a little trap door. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have this little circular thing on your floor. And then there's a door that you're going to pop up. And then the whole essentially cord, the plug part, the plug part mm-hmm. is down in there. Yeah. But they sell that casing is what you're saying. That right. metal hardware thing you shove in your floor comes standard. Yes. It yes. all comes cool. in a box at Lowe's. Good awesome. to know. I, I have know not done it. I bought one. And you yeah. did you crawl Good under your you. house? <laughs> um, I, have I not told you all the story of the, you love the to electrician? Wire things. Of the electrician? Of which one? I feel like I've told this on the podcast before. But the, I had the electrician come to my house. Is this when the lights didn't work? And it was just because your light bulbs were burned oh, out? No, that was another time. <laughs> the electrician thinks I'm an idiot. But um, no. He, I wanted to put, I wanted to put two lamps on either side of my fireplace and it's an exterior wall. And so he was telling me like, it would be very difficult to put the outlet on the wall. So he was like, yeah, I just really can't. And you know, I'm going to have to like tear out the wall. Anyways, long story short, I was like, can't you just put it on the floor? And he's like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I was like, okay, dude, well, let me do that. And he's like, but I only have one brass and one silver in his truck. In my truck. It was his truck broken? He couldn't drive so, the lows? You know, are you okay with that? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. And I, he was like, okay, well, like, I can come back tomorrow. But And I was like, there's a Lowe's like five minutes from the house. Can I, like, go get it at Lowe's? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. And I'm like, oh. okay, all right, buddy, I'll be back in 10 minutes and... Then you can do a matching set on the floor. I love that story because I like that you did not, you were not limited and you didn't accept no for an answer. That's right. 
You know, I love that. You, there's always a way to figure it out. Well, I, I was very proud of myself. Good so job, thank Caroline. You should, that. <laughs> you should be, because so many people get discouraged. Well, I will put a picture of my awesome thing for <laughs> so that you know what you should look for. Yeah. Because it is, or we can just put a link to it. That works too. <laughs> well, Eileen, I feel like you've got a good start in here. I mean, yes. she's got great, she's got some fun great pieces. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that Eileen loves beautiful things. Yes. And she just wants to know how to put them together. Yeah. Yeah. Keep she has working a good at start. It. Drag that yeah. stuff around. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being our guest today. I feel Susan, like this is a really good episode. You. So mm -hmm. hopefully people had some takeaways. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Come back anytime. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will. Okay. <laughs> can you um can you tell people where they can find you, follow you on social media? Um Susanferrier.com. All right. Susanferrierinteriors.com. Done. Okay. It's um, a beautiful site. Oh, thank you. Really yes. pretty. Thanks. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app and send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net and we'll answer them on, on a future episode. Someone as amazing as Susan will give you their thoughts. I feel like that's pretty valuable advice. It is pretty valuable. Um, Thank you. We would also love for you to check out the show notes. We'll link to a couple of the um, features of Susan's work that we talked about on the show. And you can find those at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And um, follow us on social media. And until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.